Well, praise the Lord. What a privilege it is to be in Pastor John Miller's church, the chapel. Um, I have to say that I have to say this about Pastor Miller. There was one thing that you could that you could be certain of. Uh, not everybody among these groups, of, uh, this group of future ministers and missionaries, were always had a listening ear. But you know, God was building something in John Miller. When I'd see his light on, I'd think, "Well, there's somebody I can go visit with." Right? And John was always available. Right? Somebody, somebody say hallelujah for a pastor that's always available. Right? And uh, I don't know if he ever thought, oh my goodness, here he comes again. Right? But uh, we always had such rich times of visiting and talking and processing and, and uh, not really aware then, but looking back now, can praise the Lord for his hand on us. Uh, in that time. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him to bless this message. Lord, we come before you today at this moment having worshiped you in spirit and in truth and our hearts are full at what you're doing around the world through this church, through their missions giving and, and all that's going on. Lord, as an outsider, I can I can thank you for what I sense and what I see when I walk in of people that love you and have you in their midst. Lord, as we come to your word today, we don't come uh, thinking we have anything to share except what you have to say. And we ask, Lord, that our hearts would be open to, uh, to hear your voice and to listen to, to what you might say to us, Lord, to do your mission, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, as uh, we've already seen this morning, the Lord is at work right? He's at work in this church. He's at work around the world. In, the, in even the smallest sense of something that we dare to do for God, he shows up and magnifies it. I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 8. You know, Romans is a fantastic book. If you don't read any other book in the Bible, make sure you read Romans because it's so loaded with content about the love of God and the grace of God. In Romans 7 is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible. Uh, and thank the Lord we're not reading that passage this morning, right? But uh, what, what the apostle is doing is he's talking about the fallen nature of, of man. And in his own struggle to live for Jesus, there are moments where it, he even says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who, who can deliver me from the body of this death? And just about the time he gets that out, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Right? And if you're reading through that book and you see that there, you get to Romans chapter 8 and you have a relief, right? Because the very first thing that's said in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see the title before you today. In these verses, we're going to notice something about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mentioned in the uh, S90, um, X90, thank you, uh, class about the number of times that the phrase Holy Spirit is in the Bible, is in the ESV Bible. What's unique is in this chapter, the phrase Holy Spirit is listed 14 times. And so we notice immediately before we begin that the whole force of this chapter in the Word of God is about the third person of the Trinity. And so full of the Spirit, Paul says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would somebody say hallelujah? As of right now, if you not, not at the end of the service, but now, 
Okay? Because of Christ, there's no condemnation. We have grace, we have mercy, we have love coming from the Father to us. For the, and, and our first point this morning, the Holy Spirit affirms our freedom in Christ. The activity of the Spirit is to light up inside of us that what we read in His Word is true. When we read, uh, when we make it all the way to chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you will be saved. That's all we need. The Holy Spirit shows up and says, That's exactly right! You can believe it. You can trust it. You can hope it. We don't need a we don't need a preacher or a teacher to tell us that we're saved. The Word of God and the Spirit of God confirm the fact that that the gospel came to us. You think about the time that you lifted your hand and went forward, or you prayed in your room as your parents led you to Christ. Whatever that moment was that the light came on in your soul, that was the activity of the Spirit uh, uh, lighting up inside of you that this is true. Verse 2, Paul continues, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If you struggle with legalism, if you struggle with rule following and feeling like you can't be perfect, may the Lord set you free today because in Christ there is no condemnation. That, that, that idea that uh, somehow we have to be perfect and, and uh, uh, completely sinless for God to love us, that is not what's in the Word of God. What's in the Word of God is He came to set you free from it. He came to set you free from your sin that you don't have to walk around in condemnation anymore. Verse 3, and, and, and we'll let Paul speak, talking about the Holy Spirit affirming our faith in Christ. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who, and then he draws this amazing contrast in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah, I know some people like that. They live according to the flesh. It's, it's, how, it's how they orient their life. We can turn on the news and see plenty of examples, right, of people living according to the flesh. But what the Spirit of God does is He changes our orientation. He changes our focus, right, from the flesh to the things of God. And, and in this contrast, we see this. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. He's talking about us. He's talking about what it means to be a Christian. Verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Well, okay, I've made my decision. How about you? I, I, I want to set my, my mind on the things of the Spirit. Verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In fact, he concludes this thought in verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But because you ask Jesus into your heart, you, however, 
are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Verse Middle of verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We're straight on that. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And it's in this context. It's under this thought that we get this next verse that's so familiar with believers. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Think about that concept. The very same spirit that showed up on resurrection morning and brought back Jesus to life is the same spirit that we can put our trust in to bring us back to life. Praise God. Hey, the spirit, Holy Spirit affirms our work in Christ. But as you see, our next point, the Holy Spirit leads us in righteousness. You heard the references to righteousness. Not to be righteous so that God will love me, but to be righteous because He loves me. Right? Because the grace of God made it to me. Because I heard the best news in the world, it makes me want to live holy. Let's see what he says in verse 12 and following. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Aren't you grateful for that fact? Right? Today. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Even our worship this morning was evidence of the fact of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we sung about the resurrection as we sung about his love for us here i am worshiping you how in the world why in the world would people gather in a room on a sunday to sing unless the holy spirit's working right and it's something about it even if you can't sing you enjoy listening Right? Because the Spirit of God is at work among all these believers. I mean, watching the video all the way over there in, in Ghana. Same Spirit. Somebody say hallelujah. Right? He's at work. When Pastor John says, go to Honduras, he'll change your life, it's not because getting on an airplane changes your life. It's because when you see other believers in a c completely different culture and they got the same Holy Spirit, it does something for you. Right? And so uh, we, get this, we get this promise. The Holy Spirit leads us in righteousness. This is not, notice in this passage, this is not in any way saying uh, you need to step up and you need to become more adequate. Not at all. He's already made us adequate. He's already done the work. So now because he's carried all our sins away and he's given us hope for eternal life, we can do something for him. Right? We can live for him. And so... He's given us this, this uh, encouragement in verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That's how we know. That's, that's how we get that, that sense that it's real, right? Because the Spirit shows up when we confess Christ. When we 
get that relief from our sins. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, look at this logic in verse 17. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Hey. Our stock just went up. Right? Since if children, I'm not, I'm not the stepchild, I'm a full heir. Right? If children, then heirs, what kind of heir? Heir of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. This is an encouragement to persevere, is it not? Verse 18, it's here, talking about the Spirit, that we get, and you might notice as we've been reading, a lot of these, a lot of these verses are familiar, aren't they? Right? But they're all packed together under this thought of the Spirit working in the hearts of people. And the lives of people. In this context, this, this is where he says, I consider, and like, you know, we thought Paul was a Texan for so long, reading it in the King James, right? Because it said, I reckon. <laughs> okay? But in verse 18, it says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in Christ Jesus. Well, glory to his name. What's he talking about? All the negative, uh, bad news from the doctor, bills that you can't pay, uh, relationship conflict that you have, children that, that are far away from God, all the things that we, that, that, that we care, evil in the world. He says, stack it all up. Stack it all up. Put it all in one place, right? Every, every sin, every disease, every sorrow, every thing that comes into human uh, experience, right? And then put, put the hope of Christ on the other side, and so, something immediately happens. Boom! Right? The weight of what Christ has done outweighs it all, right? And so, in verse 19, it describes what we see on the news. It describes what we see when we get on social media and we see some posts that, that we think, what in the world? Where's this coming from? Right? And look at verse 19. The creation waits with eager, eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What a statement, right? I mean, we do, we're still in that, that transition moment from when the earth is going to be set free from the bondage of sin, right? And we can... We can tell every facet of society, choose an industry, okay? Education, healthcare, business, right? Uh, uh, anything that you, can, that you can, the legal profession, right? The, the uh, law enforcement profession, all of it is affected by the negativity of this old world. The sin nature has crept in in every venue from the top to the bottom, right? And, and we can see that it's, that it's, 
that it's longing for something, right? People are searching for meaning, right? And the, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. I have to tell you, when I was watching that video, I saw the title of that church, and something leaped inside of me. End times of the assembly of God. Right? End times church. They have it in focus, right? That, that we're not going to stay here. We're here temporarily because he's put us on a mission. Right? And, and that's exactly the thought that's in this passage. Until you get to right here, verse 24. Um, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope... We were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. That's called a blessing, right? <laughs> okay, so hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This brings us to our third point this morning, our next point. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Aren't you glad for that? Right? He helps us when we make our decisions every day. Do you know sometimes we have a hard time making decisions, don't we? We're like, what exactly am I supposed to do? Right? I've got this option and I've got this, this option. Right? And yet, He comes alongside us to pray for us. Aren't you grateful for Him? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Think of it. Bad news comes, and what's the first thing you do? You go, mm. right? You go, oh, right? The Spirit's right there with you at that moment. The Holy Spirit of God is wrapping Himself around you in that moment of trauma, in that moment of not knowing what to do, that moment of anxiety. He's helping us. He's praying for us with groanings too deep for words. That's, this is one of the blessings of being able to speak in an unknown tongue. The Spirit of God will sometimes just start praying through us as we pour ourselves out to God. You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it yourself. The Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27. And He, and, you, and, and see... He's already all outthought us, okay? Some of y'all are your critical thinkers. You've already gone ahead and, and thought, yeah, but what's he praying about? Right? What, how do we know that he's praying the right thing? Right? Well, for one, he's the Spirit of God. He knows more than we do. Right? And, and, it, and But I want you to notice how he's written this so that we can understand even that far. He who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you, Jesus. Exactly right. 
Okay? It's, I mean, I, maybe I'm the only one, right? But I've prayed before, and then nothing, nothing, it didn't work, work out. And so I prayed again. It didn't work out. I find myself saying, okay, Lord, did I phrase it wrong? Okay? Was there something about what I said? Like I didn't mean to tick you off kind of thing. But when you're, when you're working with the Holy Spirit, it's exactly right. It's exactly right according to the will of God. There's nothing missing. Hey, you know, God is always wanting us to call on His name. He encourages us to call on His name. But sometimes human language is not sufficient. Right? And the Spirit of God kicks it into overdrive. And something begins to bubble on the inside of us. And we start to speak in the unknown tongue. And when we do, you can be assured it's according to His will. His purposes are being achieved. Things that we don't even know are being taken care of on our behalf because the Spirit of God intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now some of y'all, you're thinking, well, but that's just, just for the saints. It's not for me. Are you kidding me? Because you belong to Jesus, you're already reached sainthood. Go call your Catholic friends and tell them the good news. Woo! Okay, because when you asked Jesus in your heart, you had all His righteousness, all His mercy, all His grace, and the help of the Spirit to take care of you even when you don't know how to pray. And then he goes on, verse 28. And we know this is where he says it, right? This is where he says it. We don't want to quote this verse out of context, but we sure like it in context, right? When he's praying for you, when he's working with you, when the help of the Spirit is engaged, then we can say, and we know, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What an assurance. What a relief, right? That the Spirit of God is working out for us. Verse 29. For those who foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, here we're getting logical again, fasten your seatbelts, okay? What's the Holy Spirit leading us into truth for? Yeah, because He's the Spirit of truth. And those whom he predestined, us, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's just good, right? Because the Spirit of God is not just taking care of a little bit. He's taking care of everything. He's, he's watching over every facet of our lives, right? And he's... He's participating with us in the will of God. And this is where, if you were to take this out of context, you, could, you would think, my goodness, Paul, you're so cocky, right? But I want you to notice what it says in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? Now, Paul says this several times in Romans. He says, what then shall we say to these things? Like in chapter 5, um, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, right? In chapter six, chapter 6. He says, what then several places in Romans? This is one of those places. He says, what then shall we say to these things? How am I supposed to live if that's true? I mean, it's 2017, by the way. How exactly am I supposed to live? Look what he says in verse 31. What then do we do? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey! I can serve him now. 
I can do something for him. I can go in confidence. I can give in confidence. I can volunteer in confidence. I can pray in confidence. I can look in the eye of a person who's far away from Jesus and say, I got some good news for you. If you will just put your trust in Christ, He'll take all that sin and He'll make it go away. He gives us that kind of confidence. What then do we say in light of all these things? If God is for us, who exactly is going to be against us? My goodness. Walk through the pages of a hymnal. Get on a directory of choruses and read through the stories of the saints of God in history for 2,000 years. And you'll find that when they encountered God, something began to flow out of them. Something began to work out of them, right? And they, and they had a confidence in what God can do. Oh, glory to God. I think of a multiplied, multiplied uh, ways that God can move if we'll dare to trust Him. If we'll dare to open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit. You see the point there. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence for the future. Not just for now, but for later. Right? In all the seasons of life, whether, whether you're just retired or just launching out in your career, wherever you find yourself, you can look up. And if you wake up, glory to God. Some people didn't wake up this morning, right? But we did, right? And because of it, he's still got a purpose for us. Amen? Praise the Lord. What then do we say to all these things? If the Lord is with us, right? If God is with us, who can be against us? What's a, what's a negative two million font devil have anything to do with a 40 billion font God? Hey, I think he's big enough, right? What then? What then do we say to all these things? I think about the, and, and, and I must say this before I move on. At work, when your coworker starts to tell you about how messed up their life is or something horrible that happened, the Spirit of God inside of you is going to prompt you to say, Let me, let's pray about that. Let's pray about that right now. Let's go ahead and ask God to do a miracle. Right? Don't even, don't even worry about it. Just pray a 15-second prayer because God knows how to specialize in things thought impossible. He knows how to show up. You're like, but what if, and you get all analytical because we do this. Oh, I can never do that because what if God doesn't answer my prayer? Okay, well, if you don't pray, you're sure not going to answer it, right? So you're not, you're not losing, okay? So he doesn't answer. You keep praying, right? You'll be surprised how much faith is out there in that lost world, and they're looking for somebody like you and me to say, let's just ask God to do a miracle. Let's just ask God to do a miracle. Oh, but my friend's a Catholic, or they told me they were an atheist, or they told me they were agnostic, because they're waiting for God to show up. Right? And you, and you grab a hold of that hand or you say, look, I, or you send them a little email, you know, on Facebook. They say, oh, this terrible thing has happened. You just go to that Facebook messenger and you tell them, there's a God that does miracles. And I'm believing right now that he can answer for you. And I'm going to keep asking him to answer for you. And you'll be surprised the response you get. Right? Because the Holy Spirit, hey, what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Praise the Lord. He, he goes on. He says, he says, He who did not spare his, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. See how he always ties the gospel into it? The Holy Spirit keeps bringing that back. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any, any charge against God's elect? The inference is no one. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? The inference, no one. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Praise God. See how easy it is when the Spirit's working in us, right, to, to see that He's affirming what's happening in our life. He's giving us confidence for the future. Well, I don't know about this, and I don't know about that, and I don't have enough money saved for retirement, and you know, I'm too old now that it could even matter. You know, all that, all the way the world tries to speak fear into your life. You look at that, you look at that financial planner and you say, God's a God of miracles and He does wonders. Right? And He does what no man can do. Right? Who's going to bring anything against God's elect? Right? You're like, what in the world? It is God who justifies. I'm not going to be, Romans 8, excuse me, the Bible, the Spirit of God does not allow us to be depressed. It just says, look up. Just go ahead, just go ahead and trust him because he's that good. Right? We need to stay with the text. It says, verse 35. After he's who indeed is interceding for us. Right? Right there at the end of verse 34. Indeed he is. Verse 35. And it's here that he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The inference is nobody. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And then he then he illustrating, you know, if you think that way, verse 36, he quotes from the Old Testament. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, right? He's like as dark as you can make it. Okay? Look at verse 37. No. In the original language, it says no. Right? In all these things. Right? In all these things. Go back and read those things again. Right? It says, it says uh, you know, persecution, famine, distress, nakedness, danger, sword. Right? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Now I know a little bit about conquerors. I was a, I had the privilege of being a chaplain in the army in 2004, and I was sent to Iraq. People were like, "Are you worried about all the around all those weapons?" Or I said, "I said, are you kidding me? Everybody here has a weapon. It's the safest place in the world, right?" And and I mean, because chaplains can't carry weapons was the reference for that. Anyway. Um, I mean, I mean those big tanks, right? And the Black Hawk helicopters with 50 caliber gun mounts on them. I mean, grenade launcher weapons that were grenade launchers. They called them a saw, <laughs> right? I mean, whoo! There's, you know, I'm just using the illustration. The United States Army, the Air Force, the Navy, right? Conquerors. Okay, they they can get it going. Right? And, and when you're in that sphere, those of you who've been in the military know what I'm talking about. You're in that sphere, you're like, this is all right. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm on the right side. I'm on the winning side. But look what the Bible says. What's the Spirit doing? More than a conqueror. Woo! 
more than any military can throw down. The Spirit of God has your back. He is with you 24-7. And that's what's the Spirit of God that makes you say, Who can separate me from the love of God? Right? It's more than a conqueror. More than military might. More than man's machines could possibly do. God steps in and says, I will solve this problem. I will do something about it. He gets a little mystical in verse 39. Right? For I, verse 38. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence for the future. So, uh, if you bow for prayer, I just have one. I just have one question, and it's not complicated. How many of you would say I'm? I'm really needing God because I'm not a Christian, and I need what you got. I need what the other people in this church got. I'm not a Christian. Raise your hand. We're going to pray Romans 10, 9, and 10. Everybody will join in with you, by the way, because we love to pray it. Is there anybody that needs to be saved today and you're not afraid to say so? Come on, raise your hand real high. Yes? Yes? Any others? Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Pray. Just just pray the way I pray, okay, because it's right from... From the Bible, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but you can save me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me just as I am. I put all my trust in you. I put all my hope in you. Thank you for saving me. Oh, let's just praise Him while we live. Jesus, thank You. Thank You for, the, for, for everyone who prayed that prayer, needing to pray it. We thank You for what You've already done. Thank You for the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit. The work of God. Oh, Lord. Now, I thank You for this church. I thank You for its pastors. I thank You, Jesus, for John and Gwen Miller. I thank You for the... For the influence that they have in this community but lord it's more than them it's what your spirit wants to do now lord we ask you to do the impossible we ask you to to work in the in the spheres of the fort worth city council and the and the permit granting people lord light them up lord with with favor not for our purposes but for your purposes do the impossible this is a mountain we pray that it would move in the mighty name of jesus we thank you lord that greater greater are your works than any work that we could imagine lord the mighty things that you're about to do in this church lord i i thank you for people in this room who love you they love you with their whole heart but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord, that you will put a hunger in them like they've never had before. I ask that you that sometime this week they're going to just be surprised because you baptize them in the Spirit. 
Lord, as they begin to speak in an unknown tongue, may they be assured from your word that it's from you and it's not the work of the it's not the work of their flesh, Lord. And we just pray, God, that you would create hunger where it needs to be created, that you would work, Almighty God, that you would turn every person in this room into a missionary for your high purposes. Lord, not for our purposes, but for your purposes. We pray this in the name that is above every name, the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, and we go. And we go forward in your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.